U.S. men's national team is on to the knockout rounds when they take on El Salvador in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup up in Baltimore on Sunday night. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's kicking, man? How's it going, Garrett? How, how, how hot is it out your way? Because I can tell you right now it is extremely hot over here in the Northeast. You know, I was outside today around 6 o'clock, and it was actually really nice. Today was perhaps the first nice day in Houston, so... Uh, my viewpoint on Houston changed a little bit. It was very nice. Well, I can tell you what. It was ridiculous today it was in, in Jersey. It was, it was, it was 100-plus uh, humidity. Uh, I, I, just, I just had to give in and, and, and jump in the pool. And I brought the computer out. I actually did a – In the pool? I, you have a well, waterproof computer? I, I, what's that? You have a waterproof computer? You brought it inside the no, pool? No, I took, a, <laughs> you know, I took one, one of the tables in, in our backyard, and, uh, and I, I moved it next to the, next to the pool – and I just I just worked on a computer while I sat in the pool. It was great. It was perfect. I did a I did the live Q, SBI live Q and A, uh, and it was pretty a uh, pretty good deal. So uh, I don't think it, hopefully it's not as hot tomorrow. But I think we're gonna do a little little barbecue action at the SBI compound. You and I are like eighty year old men. We always start off the show talking about the weather. God, man, what we we need we need we need more exciting things to happen in our life. I well, guess. listen, I think a lot of people are dealing with the same things we are. So I'm sure. We're not alone in, in, in feeling this uh, extreme heat wave going on right now. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure the U.S. men's national team is going to be preparing for that heat wave. This I heard it's a, another heat wave coming up this weekend. I don't know if it's the whole country, but I saw some other parts are going to have a heat wave. As we said, Ivis, the U.S. men's national team is going to be taking on El Salvador Sunday night. The SBI crew is going to be there, minus the most handsome Garrett Cleverly. Uh, other stuff to talk about in the show today, we got to talk about um, MLS. And then, Ivis, the one thing that you mentioned before we get into everything, you said that the, the biggest thing you took for the SBI Q&A is you and I need to talk more Europe. So I'll let you take the, the ropes on this. You and I are going to talk more European football, correct? Uh, look, just because we need to talk about European soccer doesn't mean we're going to start calling it football, okay, buddy? We're in America. We're American. <laughs> we will call it soccer. Well, Ivis and I will try to do a little bit more uh, more European action for some of the people that you know that just love to hate on MLS. Before we get into MLS and well, all, that- well, listen, folks. As soon as uh, as soon as Garrett gets his European soccer for dummies in the mail, we'll be all over it. Stop it! Stop it! I, I <laughs> stop it! I know the Premier League, La Liga. Serie A and uh, Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Bundesliga and uh, Erie Division and, um, you know. La Liga. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But uh, the U.S. men's national team is taking on El Salvador. I keep saying that. Sunday night. Uh, A couple things to take away from that. You and I talked about on the previous show the addition of a few new guys uh, coming into the roster. Surprisingly enough, uh, well, not surprisingly, I'm sure tons of LA Galaxy fans are excited about this, that Omar Gonzalez is going to stay with the Galaxy for the game against the Vancouver Whitecaps this weekend. He will be joining the U.S. if they beat El Salvador uh, in the next game, the semifinals. Uh, But going into the game real quickly, Ivis, uh, just kind of, you know, what's the overall preview for the U.S. men's national team? Well, I think it's uh, the the big question is is uh, well, there are a couple of points to to look into that game. Number one, what the crowd's going to be like, and and obviously in the last show, you know, I made the point that it's going to be probably a pro El Salvador crowd at MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore. Uh, you know, you have more than a hundred thousand Salvadorans uh, yes. and Salvadoran Americans in that DC area right nearby so they're gonna they're gonna be out in force right so it's gonna be one of those games where the u.s is on american soil but chances are it's gonna be a strong uh turnout for fans for the opposing team you know but at the end of the day you know that that's not gonna factor into what happens on the field mm-hmm. question is gonna be you know how do how do they deal with el salvador how does el salvador deal with them 
El Salvador does not have the defense that Costa Rica has. But, the, you know, they, they are a tricky team. They do have some some good attacking qualities, uh, some tricky players who can be a handful on the counterattack. So the U.S. is, st- is still going to have to be pretty solid defensively. But I think they should have more opportunities to score. It's going to be a, a more open game. And I think the U.S. can really flex their muscles offensively. I know you love going over the roster, so we won't go over the roster. But going into the game on Sunday, what changes will we see out of this team? The goalkeeping, uh, the midfielder, are we going to see different guys in there? What's kind of the overall gist of what we're going to see that, that you're going to – or at least what do you think <laughs> – or, or do you think – where do you think his mind is so right you, so, so you didn't want to, So you didn't want to talk about the lineup, but you asked in your own other way – what the lineup is. Yeah, I like how you did that. I know. It's pretty, pretty smart, right? I know. They don't call yeah. – my last name isn't given to me just by birth. You know, I, I earned it. <laughs> I earned it. Your middle name is not really, but okay. Um, so check it out. <laughs> so check pretty it good, out. That's pretty good. So, uh, all right. Here's the deal, right? Um, with the players they called in, obviously, you bring in Matt Beisler. Uh, if you bring him in, you bring him in to play him. He's going to start. He's the best center back in the, U- in the U.S. pool. He is going to start. So you figure you're going to see Beisler and Clarence Goodson in the middle – uh, although I, me personally, I would love to see Beasler and Michael Roscoe because you talk about two players, two quality passers, quick guys to deal with El Salvador's quickness. Uh, El Salvador is a small team, right? They 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 deal with you know their quick passing, combination play, uh, speed. That's what they're about. They're not about aerial threats. They're not about aerial balls. So Clarence Goodson, you know, it's almost like I mean, hey, he's done well in this tournament, but he's a bit of a luxury. Uh, against uh, against El Salvador. So for me personally, I would rather see Beisler or Roscoe. But given the the kind of pecking order at center back, I could see, I could definitely see uh, Jurgen Klinsmann going with Goodson and Beisler, especially since that could very well end up being a, a, a tandem he has to go with down the road, perhaps in qualifying if Omar Gonzalez, you know, keeps making uh, mistakes and, and the like, you know, you might, that's the next step maybe is to go with Clarence Goodson alongside Matt Beesler. But I think those guys can get the job done, especially with Beesler there. Beesler's, you know, playing so well for the U.S., uh, played so well in June. He, he's a big force for them. And then you talk about someone like Eddie Johnson coming in who, you know, you don't call him in to bring him on, the, to have him on the bench, I don't think. So I think he could start and uh, – uh, Omar Gonzalez, as we said, he's not going to be there. He's going to, you know, he's going to uh, play in that Vancouver game. He's going to skip this quarterfinal. Uh, I, I think, I personally, I just think the U.S. has too many weapons. Uh, they, they, El Salvador's defense is, is definitely vulnerable, definitely susceptible to to what the U.S. can do. And I think, if anything, the fact that Costa Rica was so tough defensively and such a nut, tough nut to crack that the difference between them and El Salvador it's going to be like night and day. Uh, for the U.S. midfield, the, the time and space they're going to have, and I think they're going to create a ton of chances, and I think they're going to win pretty handily. Uh, who's in goal? Sean Johnson, Romando? I, I think you got to go Romando. I mean, <clears throat> nothing against Sean Johnson. I thought he was great. He was outstanding. But listen, Romando's your guy. He's the veteran. You want to put. You want to have the veteran guy there in the knockout rounds when things get hairy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, he's the guy, and you know you, you can't. I, I don't think you go go wrong either way. But I think you have to go with the experience at that point. It, it, without. Going into too many details with, with the other team, do, do we see Kyle Beckerman in this? I mean, was that does, does Jurgen want to maybe control the possession a little more, or you know, just kind of what do you see out of the midfield? Do we see you know big changes, or, or, is, or is Jurgen going to kind of throw us another curveball at the last second? Well, as far as the midfield goes, I think Kyle Beckerman gets the nod. Uh, I know a lot of people like Mix Discarude, and you know, think the pairing of Holden and Discarude is is the way to go, but. 
I think here, here now that we're in the knockout rounds, I think you see Kyle Beckerman come back in, uh, handles handle things, covering in front of the defense, and uh, you know I think he'll do a good job. You know he he's done well in the games that he has played in this Gold Cup, and and I I think he's still in this group is the guy who's going to get that call at the number six role. What about up top? I mean, Eddie Johnson's now coming in. Is he going to be the target man up top? Does Wondolowski go to the bench? What happens with that? I don't know about Eddie Johnson at forward. I think he's, he's uh, you know, based on what Klinsman has used him, I think as a winger uh, he makes sense. You know, I think he he's someone who you could plug in on the left uh, and give you, give you real threat there on the left wing. Uh, I think Donovan and, uh, you know, the Donovan-Wondolowski pairing I think works. Uh, you know, for for what you know they want to do in that game, that El Salvador game. So I think that's going to be the attack that we see. I think Joe Corona com- comes back in and and, and comes on the, uh, comes out on the right wing. And I think if you have that attack, that that, that group of guys with Holden driving the midfield, uh, you know, I, I see him creating a lot of chances. And and as much as there's going to be an El Salvador crowd, and uh, El Salvador is so tricky on the counter, I think El Salvador's defense is a little. A little too weak to to hold off the U.S. and I think the U.S. wins comfortably. And for El Salvador, Ivis, going forward into this game, what guys should U.S. men's ne- should fans be afraid of or should keep an eye on? Well, I think they you know they they, they are a pretty tricky team, and uh, as you said, Rodolfo Zelaya is, is really the threat up top for them. He he's the one who can can make things happen. I think uh, the recent San Jose signing, uh, Jaime Alas, is someone who's tricky as well. Uh, uh, Richie Menjivar, uh, at Atlanta Silverbacks midfielder and, and actually a member of their U23 team that, that got that big result against the U.S. He's someone else to watch in the midfield. He does a pretty good job for them. Um, I, you know, they, I just, they, they don't have a lot of firepower, but what they are is a pretty quick team on the counter. They do combine well, and, uh, you know, I, I was able to see them in person against Trinidad, and, um, you know, I was pretty impressed with how how effective they were and how quick they were on the counter uh but to be fair that the trinidad team was not that good um the u.s defense is a lot more disciplined mm-hmm. and a lot more equipped to handle the problems that they present you know i think if you have demarcus beasley at left back he, you know he he'll be able to defend uh what comes uh, their way on the wing uh and i think if you have michael uh parkhurst uh at right back i think he's also going to be able to deal with that so i, I think El going to have a tough time as much as you know they, they might get some uh, you know, emotion. So they might get pumped up playing in front of a, 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 bunch, a, a pretty pro El Salvador crowd. I don't think that's going to be enough to, 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 you know, get them through. I think this U.S. team is playing with confidence. And after, you know, playing that just vice of a defense that Costa Rica plays, they're going to have so much more space to operate against El Salvador. It's going to be night and day. And they're really, I think they're really going to put on a good show. In, in the rest of the Gold Cup, as we said, U.S. is taking on El Salvador in the early game on Sunday uh, in Baltimore, that's going to be followed by Honduras versus Costa Rica. And then on Saturday, uh, the, the day before, Panama versus Cuba, Mexico versus uh, Trinidad. Do, do you see the, the big names, all four big names advancing, that being Panama, Mexico, the U.S., and Costa Rica? I'd say so. I mean, I think, honestly, the, when you look at the matchups, I think the U.S. Has, has, might have arguably the trickiest matchup. You know, I think, I think Mexico, you know, I think they're gonna, they're, they've got their act together. Honduras, I think, rolls. Uh, and I think Costa Rica is going to do well. Uh, the U.S. should win. I, I think, yeah, honestly, I think the top, it's all four of the favorites should get through. And as always, if anyone's looking for extended coverage on the Gold Cup, you can always check out soccerbyivis.net. As always, Ivis and the gang do an excellent job with coverage. So if you're looking for more, go to the website. There will be tons of coverage 
up this weekend. Going on this weekend, Ivis, we have MLS games. Before we get into previewing the weekend, that is MLS. There's a little bit of some MLS headlines. I think the biggest one that, that came out since we last did this show, I think, what, like 16 hours ago or something like that, is the is the continued, maybe not the continued, but, but you know, you see peaks of it, of the David Beckham possibility of bringing an MLS to, to hopefully South Beach. Do you see this actually happening? Honestly, man, I think it's just a pipe dream by, you know, some bored uh, Miami journalist who decided to write a column. It's a pipe dream, I think. You know, listen, we would all love for there to be an MLS stadium on, on South Beach uh, where, you know, where a team could play and, 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 meet, and, you know, it'd be a road trip I wouldn't miss. I could tell you that much. Yeah. But listen, Miami as a, t- as, a, as a place to put a team, Miami in general, yes. You know, like it's a possibility. But that whole South Beach idea... It's a bit of wishful thinking. Someone just decided to kind of throw out there this this kind of crazy scenario. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't think anyone should hold their breath on that one because, you know, I don't know who's going to foot the bill for something like that. Well, in, in the article, I mean, uh, the guy referenced uh, that, you know, location obviously is the biggest thing. And, and he was like, oh, if they could put a team in South Beach, that'd be awesome. And you and I both looked at the map, and there's really not that much space in South Beach to begin with. So if they can't put it in South Beach, I see Miami. Miami to me is like Phoenix where you just have a lot of people not from the area who really I just don't see buying into a team. So for me, like you, Ivis, I kind of got to agree with you on this. Unless they don't put it in South Beach, I just don't see it happening. And I think MLS doesn't want to make... Wait, who, who said that? No, I never said that. What? I, my, what I said is South Beach in general as a specific idea for a Miami team is a bit unrealistic. A Miami team in general I think is different. I think, you know what, if you have the right owner, and obviously mm. Claude has tons of money, um, I think they could do it. I think they could put it somewhere else. Uh, but South Beach itself, thats I mean, thats I just think that that specifically is wishful thinking. Uh, also, another big news, uh, Toronto FC has lost their captain, Darren O'Day. What, what does that mean for Toronto FC? Well, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they, yeah. um, they, had, they, they had too many center backs, uh, and he was making a lot of money, right? So, obviously, this opportunity came along for him to, to move to Ukraine and, you know, make a lot more money. And if you're in Toronto, it's a rebuilding year. You've got some young center backs you, you want to give some time to. You know, Daniel Henry, Galea, Basamande, uh, and, you know, they, they obviously brought in Caldwell. Uh, and he was surplus there, really. And for the price that they were paying, uh, he was pretty he – was, he was overpaid. By MLS standards, he was not a, you know, $400,000 center back. He just wasn't. And, you know, it's a, they had to cut bait. They had to cut bait on that, and it's just another move that didn't quite work out for TFC. Well, Ivis, uh, along with the Gold Cups this weekend, there's a full slate of MLS action. Uh, Real Salt Lake is going to be taking on Sporting Kansas City. Real Salt Lake looking to extend their eight-game unbeaten streak. And, I mean, they really look like a team right now. Their, their bench is extraordinarily deep. Sporting Kansas City also on a five-game unbeaten streak. you got two teams that are really hot right now facing off uh, against each other. At, their, at, at what's going to be a very exciting game this weekend. Absolutely. This without a doubt the game of the weekend in MLS. Real Salt is on fire. They're rolling. Javier Morales playing like an MVP these days. Uh, you know, they're going to really be tough to stop. But I'll tell you what, Sporting Kansas City, Graham Zussi, uh, you know, from what I understand, he, they originally were going to call him in. Mm-hmm. Then they chose not to call. Then you know, must I don't know if Peter Vermees, you know, decided to tell beg Jurgen to not call him in, or or he talked to Don Garber MLS and said, "Listen, we got to do something about this because you can't take Beesler and get Graham Zusi." But whatever happened, Sporting KC is going to have Graham Zusi, which is big uh, going up to Rio Tinto. So that game, that is, should that should be an exciting game, good action back and forth. 
uh, great matchup. Two two top coaches going at it. So uh, that's a game I think everyone wants. Everyone should try to see. Who do you think is going to uh, win in this game? Salt Lake set home. I got to go with Salt Lake. I mean, I think I could. I mean, I my my gut tells me two two tie, but I think Salt Lake finds a way. I think they they pull it out uh, two one or three three two. It'll be a one goal game. In uh, another uh, big game this weekend, the LA Galaxy are going to be taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. We said before that Omar Gonzalez is staying with the LA Galaxy. Vancouver Whitecaps, very hot right now. I mean, we talked about how they have emerged over the last couple games. Camilo has 10 goals. He has the most goals since May 10th in the league right now. Uh, I mean, Galaxy looking to correct things after their meltdown. I mean, I don't know if you say it's a meltdown last week in Portland, but, I mean, another frustrating loss that they had against Portland Timbers last week. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in this one? Well, the Whitecaps are, are really rolling. Their, their attack has is, is, is been, you know, tough to stop. Finding chances on a regular basis, Camillo is just you know working magic every single game it seems. Um, but you know I think this is the, this is going to be a statement game, statement game for the Galaxy. They have to win this game. I think they have to win. I mean obviously no they don't you know they're not not they're not going to get knocked out if they don't win. But uh, they, this is this is the type of game that they should win. However, mm-hmm. the big the big question mark Robbie Keane. If he doesn't play in this game, and I think you know, I think he, there was some kind of injury concern with him. If he does not play in this game, uh, you got to go Whitecaps. But if he does play in this game, I have to go to Galaxy. Uh, the Philadelphia Union are going to be taking on the Portland Timbers. Timbers, like we said, getting back to their winning ways, defeating the LA Galaxy last week. Uh, Philadelphia Union are going to have Jack McInerney, and you said in the last show, and everyone who wants to hear more about this, uh, Ivis, you were saying that the U.S. men's national team players came away extraordinarily impressed with the play of Jack McInerney and what he brought into camp. Union fans are going to be very excited to have him back. I I believe uh, Will Johnson will also be back for the Portland Timbers in this game. So you're going to have the two biggest players of both teams back for their teams. What do you see happening in this? Well, listen, this is going to be a real good test for the Union to tell us how legit they are. They're at home. They have McInerney back. No excuses. They're going, to get, uh, going up against a really tough Portland team who is getting Will Johnson back, uh, has Freddie Pickion back, doesn't have uh, Rodney Wallace back yet. But I, got, I, I find it tough going against Portland, though. You know, the, the way they w- were able to win that game against L.A., in stoppage time, late goal, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're rolling right now. And, uh, you know, I think that loss to Columbus was probably something that they needed in a sense, you know, because obviously that 15-game unbeaten streak was, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And I think, if anything, they were able to regroup after that and, and then face a really good challenge from L.A. And, and then they got that win, and they, they're going to come in with some confidence. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go to Portland uh, to win in, uh, at PPL. Uh, in the uh, in another uh, good game this weekend. Well, not a good game. I mean, teams going both ways. Chicago Fire. We talked about their impressive run after a while. Chicago Fire maybe cooled off a little bit, but I mean they, they have a favorable matchup going against DC United this weekend. DC, you know, Nick DeLeon is going to be back. Dwayne De Rosario. If if these guys are available, we'll probably play in this game. Is this an opportunity for the Chicago Fire to kind of get back to their ways and get back into this playoff picture in the East? I'll tell you what. You know, when you look at this matchup on paper, you might think, you know, it's not one that you really want to watch because DC United's been struggling. Chicago's not in the playoff mix, but I think this this has the, the potential to be a really good game. Um, DC, obviously, it's been a horrible season for them, but I think it's interesting 
their youth movement now, their 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 dedication to to a new generation of players that they've brought in. And you know what? It might not lead to victories right away, but it's going to be fun to watch that those guys develop, those younger those younger players develop. Now that they're going to get that chance to play, does that mean they're going to win games? Probably not. But at least you can see these guys develop, have something to build on to next year. This particular game, I got to go with the fire. I think Mike McGee. You know, he's cooled off a bit, obviously. Uh, you know, it's just unrealistic to think he'd score every single game. It's going to, you know, you, at, at a certain point, you're, things are going to balance, you know, average out. Uh, but I think he's going he's gonna to do really well in this game. I think he leads the fire to a, to a pretty good win. Not that I want to get into this too much, but where does that put Ben Olsen? There's been maybe some some rumblings here and there, but nothing too serious. Is he kind of immune for the rest of the season as DC United experiences with, with certain different players? Right. I think the fact that they're experimenting, they, they've clearly made the decision to go youth, go with the youth movement. I think he's safe for this year, and I think they're going to give him next year and see what he can do. You know, they, they, They've pretty much committed themselves to him. They've made changes to their roster with him in mind as far as, you know, unloading guys, Brandon McDonald, uh, that's, uh, you know, shipping him off. Uh, that's another, that's, by the way, that's a move we should have probably talked about before these games. Uh, that's a big pickup uh, for Real Salt Lake. And DC United, you know, it, it, they had to make that move because, you know, clearly he was making, he was on a lot of money. Um, he wasn't in their plans. They weren't going to bring him back probably next year. Mm-hmm. And they've already moved moved over to Ethan White. Ethan White's really coming on now. Has been really impressive the last few weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's clear that that the leadership in DC, the leadership in DC, is, is kind of committed to Ben Olsen for this year. And uh, we'll see what they do in this off season. Uh, if, if anyone should worry, I think their general manager, Dave, uh, uh, Dave Casper, is the guy who, who kind of needs to you know look over his shoulder a bit because you know their foreign signings just haven't been good uh, for a while. So. Uh, does he get another offseason to, to, to prove himself, or, or is this it for him after, after, after this? I think he's actually made some pretty good moves here lately, uh, you know, getting Connor Doyle on loan, picking up Jared Jeffrey, trading for Luis Silva, which I thought was a good, you know, another good pickup, unloading Brandon McDonald, even though DC United's picking up a chunk of his salary. I think they've done a good job. So, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think Ben Olsen's safe, but I, I don't know. I can't say the same for his GM. Uh, up in Seattle, the Sounders will be hosting the Colorado Rapids. This is this is an interesting game, Ivis, because the Rapids right now have 30 points, are in sixth. The Sounders are in seventh with 24 points. Not that this is going imp- to this has a little impact on the Western Conference playoff picture now, but near the end of the season, this is a game that we can go back on and say this is why this team made the playoffs between both teams. We could say this is why they made the playoffs, and this is why they didn't make the playoffs. The Rapids. You know, they're looking better as the season goes on. The Sounders, tons of injury problems. And now you have Eddie Johnson with the U.S. men's national team being called up. What do you think is going to happen in this? Well, look, Colorado's playing really well right now, right? They're playing with confidence. They're, they're overachieving. I don't, I, don't, I don't know many people who saw them having the kind of year that they're having right now. Um, but, you know, they're coming off a midweek win. They beat New England, came back from a goal down. Uh, so, you know... They're they're a solid team. However, I'm still. I think we talked about this last show. Mm-hmm. I'm still a believer that Siggy Schmidt's going to turn things around there. And obviously, losing Eddie Johnson doesn't help. You know, he you know he, he gets called up. Now you have to you know that's one less big weapon for them. But I still think they have too many other players there that they. It's still not an excuse, right? Osvaldo Alonso had the red card rescinded. He's back, right? 
He's going to have the second game back since since returning from the injury. I think he's going to be a big factor in this game, helping them control the middle. That's going to be a great battle between him and and the likes of Dylan Powers and Nathan Sturgis. The, the, those that matchup's going to be fun to watch. Um, but look, the Rapids right now, what what are they? Unbeaten in four, three zero and one in their last four. They're playing with confidence, but going going to Seattle, uh, I think that might be a bit of a tall order for them. I think I think the Sounders get it done. And it's a game they need, you know. I mean, they've only had one win in their past four. They've lost three or four, uh, which has cost them in the standings, obviously. But I think, like you said, this can be the game that wakes them up, that wakes up Seattle, lets them flex their muscles. They need this game because it's like you said. I mean, if they hypothetically if they lose this game, mm-hmm. um, then you're then all of a sudden you find yourself nine points behind the Rapids. And I know they have they, they have as of right now. Seattle has four games in hand, and that's something else, you know, I think that gets lost in this whole thing is, you know, you talk about Seattle and the point totals and the fact that they're out of the playoffs right now based on point totals, but they've only played 17 games. They played three fewer games than uh, than the teams that are currently in yeah, fourth. Yeah, but what is, it, you, what is it you always say, though? You still got to play those games, though. No, right, but what I'm saying, but the thing is, it's like you can't, you can't just look at their point total and say, oh, they're having an awful season. It's like, no, they just haven't played their – uh, their allotment of games, and I think if anything, it, 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 they're in that situation where you know they've had their injuries, they've had their call ups, and they but they haven't played all their games. And I think once they get those guys back, once they get uh, you know Eddie Johnson back, now that they have Osvaldo Alonso back, they're going to play those extra games with a stronger team. And I think that's when they'll turn it around. I really, I really see it. I really see it. I'm just. You know, call me a, you know, <laughs> I know there's a lot of Sounders fan, uh, Sounders haters out there, and they'll probably be like, oh, you know, you're on the bandwagon. Listen, I, just being realistic, that team is too good. Siggy Schmidt's too good a coach for them not to turn it around, and I think this is the game that could be the start of a turnaround. But hypothetically, for the Sounders, let's say they continue just at the pace that they're at now. When is it when they need to start almost hitting the panic button and it's a make it or break it for them. When do you think is that another month from now? Is that three matches from now? When do you think that? Well, listen, that if they lost three in a row from now on, yeah, of course. Then you could say, listen, they're really losing ground right now. But it's still early. It's still way too early. I mean, I know. Look, right now they are currently six points out of six six points out of a playoff spot uh, with three games in hand. Right. So that's still it's all kind of still up in the air. You still have teams that could completely turn around one way or the other. I mean, right now the, Vine, the, the White Caps are red hot, but again, they were hot last year and then they cooled off. FC Dallas is a team that's really been slumping. Do they turn it around? So, West, the West is very much still up in the air. So, you know, I, I, for me, I said it last show again. You know, uh, our, our favorite, our favorite Q and A question asker, Chris McGuffin, did point that out. We do repeat ourselves a lot on this show, especially when we're doing three shows a week. But I'll repeat it again. I, I just think this Seattle team is, uh, you know, too good. Too, th- th- there's too much talent here. I think they're going to turn around. In uh, other games this weekend, Toronto FC is taking on the New York Red Bulls. Toronto lost to Chivas USA. And just I'm sure watch, Ivis. They'll just surprise all of us and beat New York Red Bulls, right? That's a tough one. <laughs> I, I, that's a tough one. I mean, TFC, I mean, oh, after that midweek match, I don't know where they go from there. And, uh. I don't know. I, 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 could, I mean, the last time New York was up there, they won. I, I believe Tim Cahill scored the winner. And the, and the Red Bulls are playing much better right now. I think they're going to go in there and handle business. And this is an important game for the New York Red Bulls, too, because the following week they take on Real Salt Lake, then Sporting Kansas City. So, you know, it's an opportunity for them to, to take three points. That's there for the taking. And, you know, when they have some tough games coming up. 
the excuse me, uh, the Montreal Impact and FC Dallas. This is an interesting game, my visit. I mean, about a month ago, I think you could have circled the state and said, oh, man, this is going to be a marquee matchup. And now, all of a sudden, flash forward a month later, both teams are really, really slipping right now, and their form is – both teams are just not the best right now. What do you think happens in this? It's crazy, man, when you look at it. Uh, FC Dallas has, has are winless in two, four, six, seven matches, right? They're 0-3-4 in their last seven. Uh, Montreal has one win in their last two, four, five. Oh, no, six. They're one, three, and two in their last six, right? So these are two teams running away with their conferences, and now they both hit a wall. And and this so th- this one is gonna this one's a very interesting one because you on one hand you have uh, Montreal's defense, which has been atrocious. I mean, they can't stop anybody. Uh, and then you have Dallas, who's you know they they, they they've been a bit, bit of a weird one because they they play well in stretches, but they just haven't gotten the results right. So for me, uh, you know, if you're Montreal, is Montreal going to figure it out defensively, figure out what the problem is, or are they going to keep giving up these goals? And I know Marco Devio, I guess there's some questions about whether he's going to even be available. I think he had some family issues in Italy, so he went away. If Devio doesn't play, I, I just don't see FC Dallas. I, I don't see Montreal winning without Devio. Because the way their defense is playing right now, they need goals. They're not gonna shut they're not gonna shut out FC Dallas. I just don't see it happening. So for me, I gotta go FC Dallas. I think uh I think FC Dallas uh pulls you can't even call it upset now, the way Montreal's playing. So I think FC Dallas wins that game if Devayo doesn't play. If Devayo plays, mm-hmm. I think you I think I think we have a tie. I think it'd be, you know, two two tie. And uh in the final game of the weekend, the New England Revolution are gonna be taking on the Columbus crew this game. Also, like the Rapids and Sounders, where later on in the season we could say, hey, because of this game, reason why is because they made it to the playoffs. The other thing that's interesting about this is when you look at the crew schedule and you look at the New England Revolution schedule, their next couple games for both clubs can either make it or break it for them when you look at their schedule. And I mean, I don't need to go over the schedule in details, but if people want to look at it, you can look at it. They can make it or break it for both clubs. What do you think happens in this one? Are the New England Revolution able to bounce back after a underwhelming performance against the Colorado Rapids uh, during the midweek game this week? Well, I don't know, man. I, I, put, I would say this. You know, right now, they're, they're currently... Those teams are 6th and 7th in the playoff race in the East. I'm not sold on the crew because, you know, those injuries that they had, uh, losing Eddie Gavin and losing Glauber for the season with torn ACLs, I just don't think they're going to come back from that. I don't, and, and obviously, they're missing, you know, Jairo, Jairo Arieta, who's with Costa Rica, that's obviously a big loss. So I think it's going to be tough. Uh, but New England, man, they, 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 they did not look good this week, uh, this Wednesday against Colorado. They really didn't um, play to the level we've seen of them the past few weeks. So this one really is kind of a toss-up. Uh, if, if I have to, you know, if I have to pick winner, you know, I don't know, man. I'm going to go 1-1 one, one tie. I, I, just don't, I just don't see. I don't have enough confidence in either of these teams getting the W. And uh, there's all the MLS weekend action games. As always, you can go to the website to check out more MLS action. Ivis, you hosted the SBI Q&A, like you said, earlier in the show, from your pool today. I'm sure you're working on your tan at the same time. And the general feel you got from it is people are looking a little bit for some more international news, not just European, but more international news. So uh, we're going we're gonna to put yours and mine, well, mostly your knowledge, to the test and talk a little bit. Uh, more international. The biggest news going on right now is this kind of Wayne Rooney, Chelsea, slash Arsenal, slash Manchester United 
thing going on right now. Lots of rumors going back and forth. What's the latest on Wayne Rooney? And, and, and is, is he really going to stay with Manchester United or, or go to a new club? Well, it's a, you have a big, big game of, uh, of mental, uh, <laughs> mental gymnastics going on between Chelsea and Man U. Uh, for those who have kind of missed out on it, apparently Chelsea made a bid for, for Rooney. Man United put it out there that a bid was made and also in, uh, claimed that players were offered in the trade or in the, in the deal. Mm-hmm. Chelsea came back and denied that. Then you have Jose Mourinho pretty much saying, Anybody, any big player who's not who's who's staying somewhere, they're not going to be a guaranteed starter. It could risk their World Cup, and, and that that was a not so subtle dig at, at, at Rooney's situation at Man United, where apparently David Moyes was quoted as saying, uh, you know, he's cover for Robin Van Persie, which you know I'm sure Wayne Rooney loved hearing. So that that one is just all, all over the shop. You know, um, does he stay? Does he? Go? I don't know if he stays. I really don't. I don't. I don't see him staying. I think Man U. I think they're going to move him, and I think they're going to, you know, try to squeeze as much money as they can out of him. I think he, he, I, I'm sure they'd like to keep him, but if he's not guaranteed to start, then you know it's going to be kind of hard to keep him happy there. I think he's going to try to force his way out, and you know, obviously he tried to force his way out of there before, uh, and Sir Alex Ferguson was able to, to convince him to stay. I don't know if David Moyes is able to do that this time around, and and I think Chelsea. Chelsea, you know, they're making it really, uh, really interesting, and I know there was that Arsenal. Uh, Wayne Rooney talk a while back. I don't think that's happening, but I think if I think if Rooney leaves, I think Rooney uh, Rooney to Chelsea can definitely happen. Uh, also, Arsenal in the Premier League uh, going into the off season, they seemed like they were going to spend a lot of money, but have for the most part been very quiet. But it kind of seems like the Higuain move has kind of cooled down a little bit. But all of a sudden, within the last couple of days, maybe the last week. Lee Suarez has really heated up going over to Arsenal. Is, is that a real possibility that he could join them? Uh, you know, it's, it, it, according to the reports, uh, it, it's serious, right? Arsenal is throwing uh, big money at them, and if you believe the the rumors, you believe the headlines in England, and uh, it, it's tough. It's tough to it's tough to know what to believe with Arsenal because it just seems like you know all we hear about is how they have money. We have money now. We're yeah. going to spend money. Really, we're going to really start spending. And and where 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 is it? Where where is the spending been? I mean, I think it's we're three weeks now into the into the summer window and. You know, they they really don't have much to show for it. So uh, I know Arsenal fans are getting a little edgy. Uh, you know, obviously the Iguain, Gonzalo Iguain signing seemed like it was going to happen. Now it doesn't seem like it's going to happen or it's, it seems like, you know, uh, it's no longer in play. So if you're an Arsenal fan, you kind of ask yourself, what is going on here? Not only do we not have anybody, not only have we not spent any of this so-called money we have, but now you have rumors of Cesc Fabregas maybe going to Man United. So what is what's going on? Where are where are our players? Where are the players that we're uh, going to be able to feel good about going into the new season? Uh, and I mean, at this point, if there's only if there's anything good to feel good about uh, as a U.S. as a, as an Arsenal fan right now, it's the fact that they finally got rid of Andre Santos, who you know was just an absolute nightmare of a of a, of a left back for them. And that's small consolation, though, guys. They've lost too many. They've lost too many big players. They need to go make go spend some money, and Suarez would help that. I mean, I know he's got that that suspension that he's facing, but he'd be a big, big score and a big sign that they're serious about spending. But I won't believe it until I see him holding up that jersey. When they got rid of Arshavin, oh, so sad. <laughs> yeah, come on, that guy. He never <laughs> but but I know. But just... in, in all seriousness, though, Suarez and Arsenal system 
Could he have another breakout season, or, or could he continue his his success? I mean, he had a breakout season last year. Do you see him doing it again with with in, in the system that Wenger has? Oh, I think he'd score even more goals. I think really? I think he I think he could. I mean, obviously he's going to miss games with the suspension, but I think he can keep up his scoring pace. I mean, not to say that Liverpool is this terrible team with no weapons around him, but you know, I think Arsenal is a stronger team, and 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 I think he'd have more chances to score. And obviously. You know, when you go to a team, when you go to you know a stronger team, you're going to have to spread the wealth a little bit and share the spoils. But uh, I think, like you said, I think his him in that system w- would really, uh, really maximize his his abilities. And, and now, if he can stop biting people uh, and behave <laughs> himself and stop you know doing all the dirty stuff, hey, who knows? Maybe maybe he could really. Uh, you know, get people to start talking about his play on the field. Uh, I, you said a hilarious thing before the show. You said that Manchester City is, is pretty much spending money like water. They're already up to a hundred million in spent transfers this season, and they don't look like they're done yet, are they? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they 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 have a bottomless pit of money apparently. Um, what, what, what's the latest on Manchester City's front right now? Well, I mean, we know obviously Jesus Navas uh, came over. Uh, in the uh, in the early going, right after uh, they, they signed Manuel Pellegrini, uh, and you know Pellegrini is gonna tap into the um, his his La Liga connections and, and and his knowledge base there, and you know they, they're they're looking or they're getting ready to sign or they have already signed Alvaro Negredo, and right there, boom, two quality signings. But I mean, how many players can you have, right? I mean, I, I know they're getting rid of, of some of the dead weight. You know, obviously Mike Con, they they moved on. Uh, they're going to have to unload several other players, but when you talk about those additions, and now they're talking, and now they're you know the the latest is that they're they're going to sign you know seven Jovetic, uh, who again I mean here's a guy who's been linked to everybody right I mean he he was he's another one of these Arsenal guys, uh, you know supposedly Arsenal was gonna, you know was going to grab him the you know and and for those who aren't familiar with seven Jovetic, he was at Fiorentina last year was great had a great breakout year he's 23. Quality player, uh, linked to everyone under the sun, whether it's Juventus, Arsenal, Man City. Now it seems like Man, uh, Man City's uh, in pole position now. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously they got rid of Tevez, right? They, they got rid of Tevez. They got rid of Balotelli last year. So they needed a forward. So, they, you know, it looks like they're going to get one in Jovicic. So uh, I'm just curious to see how Pellegrini does with that team. You know, I mean, I, I really respect him as a manager. And, uh, you know, nothing against Man- Mancini. Mancini, I thought, you know, I don't know. I, th- I feel like he lost his he lost his 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 head there. I think you know just with all, under the pressure that that he was kept facing from the bosses there. I think Pellegrini is a great manager, and I think he's going to do, do a good job there. And these signings are pretty smart signings. Over in Syria, uh, Napoli also has a uh, endless bottom pit of money to spend. They finished second in the league last year. What's the latest on their front? I mean, they're going after Higuain too. What's kind of the latest for Napoli, and, and what are you hearing from them right now? Well, what we know for what we know at this point, or what we're, at least we're being led to believe based on reports, is that they have a big war chest to go spend on players. Right? They've sold Edinson Cavani, sixty million euros. Apparently, they have double that to spend. Right? They have one hundred twenty plus million euros to go bolster their squad. Uh, Rafa Benitez is the boss there now. Obviously, uh, you know he's a guy who say what you want, make all the jokes you want. He's a p- pretty well respected manager. Players like playing for him, and players will try to you know make the move there. Uh, I'm really curious to see how they spend this money. You know, Edinson Cavani is a big loss for them. Um, they still have they still have uh, quality there. Um, they have they still have guys guys like 
uh, Hamsik and Hernandez. They've got they they already have talent, but they and when you when you lose a guy like um, Cavani, I mean that 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 you don't replace him with one player. I mean it's just you know he is he is one of the best, if not the best striker in the in the world. One of definitely one of the top five. You know when you talk about big strikers in in, in the world, so them replacing him is not going to be easy. But it, with that kind of money. The throw around. I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna be a fun team to watch uh, build their roster because they just when you have that kind of money to throw around, you're gonna get yourself some good players. Also, Barcelona looks like they're about to make another big move after adding Neymar, uh, Neymar earlier this uh, off season. What's the latest with Barcelona looking for a center back? Well, I mean, I don't know if they're not close to a move right now, but there's this ongoing courtship with Thiago Silva, the uh, PSG slash brazil center back and uh you know it's clear he wants to play for them and they want him but psg has to want to sell and uh right now psg it, it, at least publicly their stance is they don't want to sell and you can understand why, why they would want to sell a because tiago silva is, some people think is the best center back in the world and b you know that's a and b if you're psg and you want to win a champions league do you want to bolster one of the top one of the top competition that you have for that champions league title so that that's a tricky one, and uh, you know it, you have to wonder if maybe they're starting to give in or they're going to consider giving in on this, because they, apparently they're they're getting ready to sign Marquinhos, uh, the center back uh, from Roma, who you know I guess it sounds like that deal's done or getting close to done. If they add him, then that would make uh, losing Silva a little bit easier. But I you know I, at this point it's tough to tell whether PSG is just posturing to get more money out of Barcelona, or if they really really want to keep him and. I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be up to Silva to really pressure PSG to make a move because I tell you what, if Barcelona gets Thiago Silva, mm-hmm. I mean, wow. I mean, that's I mean, clearly that's what they need, right? They need they need a quality center back, and Silva he he ticks all the boxes. He's a he's a dominant force. He helps you in the attack. He can pass out of the back. He does it all. He's a prototypical center back, quality in every sense of the word. So if they get him, I mean, I tell you what, you have to throw them right back into that conversation for the top teams for the Champions League. Uh, And since we're talking international, this doesn't need to be all European action. Down in South America, uh, the um, Atletico Nacional has won the Colombian League, beating Santa Fe 2-0. Well, yeah, that's uh, Colombian League is not a league that most Americans get into, but... You know, I think it, this one's an interesting one. I, I felt like we needed to talk about just because uh, there are the MLS connections to that to that final. Uh, uh, Nacional beat Santa Fe, and uh, and Nacional's coached by none other than Juan Carlos Osorio, the former New York Red Bull slash Chicago Fire head coach. That's his second title in four years down in Colombia. He's done a great job there, and also Nacional has Juan Pablo Angel, who returned to Colombia. And looks like he's going to retire now with that championship, and uh, you know that's a, that's that's a big uh, that's a big win there, and that's something I you know I think I think some MLS fans will, will find interesting. And one other note on that one is, uh, you know, Nacional beat Santa Fe in the final, and one of the players on Santa Fe is Carlos Valdez, who is there on loan from the Philadelphia Union, and uh, you know the plan for that loan was to get him experience in in the um, the Copa Libertadores. And to get him in the shop window for European teams and to help his stance with his his place with the Colombian national team. Now, he's become a regular with the Colombian national team. He's, he had the chance to impress in Libertadores. And now that, that that season's over, now that the Apertura season's over, 
Uh, it's going to be curious to see what happens now with Valdez. He's not the. I don't see him returning to the union and playing for the union, but they do have his rights. So if they sell him, that's going to be something for the. You know, if you're a union fan, you want to keep an eye on that and see what happens there and and see what your team can able uh, can generate out of that. And I think you know I think they could end up and uh, ending up with a pretty good score on that one. Dude, so the union will make some money. If, if oh, they, they will. They will. Do they? Do they? Do they? I just keep changing. The do, rules keep changing. Hello. Do the union spend that money though? Well, that's you know that's the thing, right? I mean, they they, they it, you know they they've really tried to, to add some pieces here and there, but you know I, I think they're a bit limited uh, financially as far as their ownership group and, and what they can do and what they want to do. You know, I think they they, they want to keep the spending modest. Uh, you know, they they have a stadium they're still paying for and and, and a lot of taxes that they're dealing with in the city of Chester. Uh, so they don't have these deep pockets, and also they're dealing with a lot of bad money spent on on uh, contracts from last year and, and this year that they're still digging their way out of, and that's something I think that gets lost with the union is uh, is the fact that as well as you know for what they're doing, you have to give them credit because they've been able to stay in this playoff race even though like a third of their of their salary cap is 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 tied up in dead money, and when I say dead money, I'm talking about you know. Uh, players who, who aren't on a team anymore, uh, who who are bought out of contracts, or hey Palaza, uh, you know the whole Freddie Adu thing the, uh, went the way it went, and and I think next year I tell you what, once they get unload some of that that, that dead money comes off the books, I tell you what, next year uh, they're gonna next year's gonna be the year where they're really I think able to go out and really revamp that roster with some big signings. Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. As always, we do the SBI Q&A. Everyone, if you want your questions answered, you have to pay attention to Ivis's Twitter. We record the show randomly, so you have to pay attention to it. As always, if you say, like, hashtag Ask the SBI Show Garrett Rules, your question will be asked. But no one did it this week. I'm surprised by that. So <laughs> Garrett Rules. Yeah, Garrett with a Z at the end of it. Uh, first question comes from Mark Boheem. FC Dallas has been a shell of its opening season self. Is this a slump or just tougher opponents? I think it's a bit of both, and uh, you know anyone who listens to our show regularly. If you go back to the SBI shows from April, late May, early April, when Dallas was in their run, I'm pretty sure I said it on more than one occasion that folks should probably slow down on this FC Dallas uh, bandwagon because things are breaking their way. They're facing teams without their top players. They're healthy. They're going to have to deal with injuries at a certain point because it happens to everybody. I try to tell people to take it easy, and uh, and now we've seen it. We've seen uh, them come back down to earth. And obviously, look, they've had they've had some injury issues. Clearly, George John's been hurt for them. D- David Ferreira has has been hurt as well. But you know, uh, it, they have talent, right? They have too much talent to say, oh, they're going to completely fall out of the playoff picture. Um, I think they're still going to be in that playoff picture. But they're not for me a team that I'd say is 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 a favorite to win the West. A, a, a real title contender, you know. I think right now Salt Lake, you have to say, is one. I know the Galaxy aren't playing like one, but you still have to like their chances, just because, you know, with the talent that they have, and if they get hot in the play, uh, you know, later in the year, they're going to be right there. But beyond that, it's really, it's really a toss-up all over the map, and uh, Dallas is in that is in that conversation. So I'd say that this is, you know, when you take their their slump now, their hot start then. I think this is what they are. You know, I think they're in, you know, where they are right now is kind of what, you know, what we should expect from them. 
Uh, next question comes from Cameron Moss. Uh, who are your top MVP, MVP candidates so far this season? This guy's an RSL fan. So then he goes, I would give it to Javi Morales, most important for his team. Well, <laughs> yeah, let's see. A Real Salt Lake fan saying Javi Morales is the most important player for his team. Of course you're going to say that. I mean, that's who you watch. That's who you root for. That's who brings you joy on a regular basis. So, it's you know, it's not the most uh, impartial uh, vote there. And I would say, you know, not no knock on Rouse. He's a quality candidate. He's in the conversation. Uh, you know, when we did the midweek, uh, the midseason awards for SBI a week ago, I gave the MVP to Will Johnson. And, and I feel, you know, M- it, Will Johnson, not only as a player, not only as, as, you know, what he contributes to the offense, the two-way player that he is, the engine that he has, but he's also a leader. He's also a captain someone who's just sets a really good tone on that team. So I, you know, he, he, my top three guys were him. He was, he was, he was the top guy. Uh, Mike McGee, who let's face it, he was, he was, he was having the best season on the galaxy before he got traded. Then he gets traded to Chicago and then all of a sudden they're turning things around. So when you look at that, I mean, it's hard not to say he's been valuable. He's been valuable for two teams. So they, you know, so he's right in that mix. And then, uh, and then two other guys, Marco DeVaio, Absolutely key to that Montreal attack and helping them get to first place before this recent defensive meltdown. And then Jack McInerney. I mean, look, you can say Javier Morales is, is really is is important to his team. No one can argue that. But can you really say for a fact that he's more important than than, than Jack McInerney and uh, for what McInerney has done for their attack? I mean, you know, just being that that consistent threat. So the MVP. Uh, long story short, the MVP MVP race is wide open. And I think all those guys are in that conversation. And I don't think the award's been won yet. It, it, it's There's still way too much time for someone to really state their case. Another guy who, you know, it's easy to forget because he's so good and, he, and you kind of expect him to play well. Robbie Keane. I mean, Robbie Keane, when you want to talk about the quality of soccer, I don't know if anyone in the league is, is, has played as high a level as he has played when he is playing at his best. I mean, he just, well, he just runs the show. I mean, he's just tough to stop. I'd say all those guys that I just named are, are going to be in that conversation, and it's anyone's award. You can't, you just can't, you just can't say it. it's too early. Next question comes from Cameron Parkinson. Given the lack of outside back options, could we see Beasley and Fabian Johnson starting together after Gold Cup? Well, I, that's what I, th- I think. I'm pretty sure I said at the last show that you know Fabian Johnson's someone that you know when you're talking about a right back. If Steve Trenolo is not healthy, which I, I don't know if he will be, and if Tim Chandler is, you know, once again has, uh, you know, USMNT flu, whatever it is that keeps him from you know, to accepting call-ups and, and whatever it is, you know, if he's not available, if Trenolo is not available, and you're not necessarily feeling Michael Parkhurst as your option against Brian Ruiz in Costa Rica and San Jose, I think you got to think about Fabian Johnson at right back. Because I, for me, Demarcus Beasley has really shown himself to be a solid left back option, right? So if he's your left back, Fabian Johnson is right footed. Fabian Johnson can play right back, and uh, I think he'd do great there. And with the with wing, with, now that you have some more wing options, now that Landon Donovan's back in the picture, and you can play Donovan and Zusi on the wings, you can play Joe Corona on the wing, uh, and Eddie Johnson on the wing. You got a few different ways you can go if you have to worry about that right back spot then why not put Fabian Johnson there? And I think you're going to need to put someone uh, solid there because, again, Brian Ruiz, he is so dangerous, uh, and he likes to operate on that left wing. You got, you're going to need a good right back. I think Fabian Johnson could get the job done for that game. 
Our next question comes from Kevin Wessilo. Sorry, I butchered your last name. What's your opinion of the Gold Cup rule of bringing in slash dropping players from the roster after group stage? Uh, I like the idea of the rule. What I don't like is having it be four players. I feel like that's too much. And it's funny because only it, only only one team called in more than one guy, and it's the U.S. It's like I, I don't know. Maybe Klinsman thought he had to change four players. Maybe maybe he mis misread the rule. Because my thing is this, right? When you you have a team that's going through a group stage, plays three games, goes through that battle, how does it not hurt? I mean, I, I feel like it has to hurt your chemistry on some level when you when you take out four players and you bring in four new players. Obviously, this U.S. team, you know, these guys that are coming in. They know these guys. I mean, Matt Beasler's, you know, they know Matt Beasler. They know Eddie Johnson. It's not going to be that much of a shock to the system. But I don't know. I think, I think, I think the, you know, CONCACAF, I know they, it was well-intentioned. And obviously it was, it was a, a unique situation because you had the Gold Cup qualifiers. I mean, the World Cup qualifiers in June. So you had teams who had already had players with them for probably a month. So I'm sure this rule was set out in a way to try to help get some guys vacation time and, and, and maybe get them to come back in. But just based on the players that were called in by all the quarterfinalists, I don't know if they needed this rule or I don't know if they needed it to be four players. I think two, two is fine. I think if you give every team two slots to make changes, I think that's fine. That's more than enough. So I think, you know, when we talk about the next world, the next gold cup, I think they should cut in half. And the final question comes from Eric Garment. Uh, Ivis, since you were the Mel Kuyper of the college draft because of your hair, I guess I'm the Todd McShay because I'm good looking. <laughs> uh, the question is, who's your prohibitive college cup favorite? Wow. I'll tell you what. You know, I, I, I college love season question. already, baby. I, I love the question because it's around the corner. And, uh, you know, I already, I've already started to do, do my homework on the next season. I mean, it's a really a year-round thing. you got to keep up on on the comings and goings, uh, you know, when you talk about homegrown player signings, transfers, there have been quite a few transfers this this, uh, this uh, offseason, this college offseason. But I tell you what, the you know, the defending champion, Indiana Hoosiers, I think you got to make them the favorites again. Now, they, they <clears throat> were a surprise champion last year, right? They, they were a 16th seed. I don't think anyone expected them to win it. But they bring most – they bring pretty much most of their team back uh, they obviously lose Eric Zavaleto, big loss. He was their go-to attacker. He was their go-to goal scorer. But they bring everyone back. They have the most stacked midfield in the nation, and they're adding Dylan Mares, the the Louisville playmaker. For me, one of the best playmakers in the in the country. So think of it. Think of it this way: they already had arguably the best midfield in the country. Then they go get arguably the best playmaker in the country to add to that. So I don't. I mean, I tell you what, uh, Todd Yegley, It's gonna. He's he's got. He's gonna have an interesting uh, uh, job here to to try to fit all these guys together. I think for me, because of that, I think Indiana. You got to go Indiana. But hey, Maryland, watch out for Maryland. The, you know, Patrick Mullins uh, chose to stay in school. I mean, he's he's argued. You know, you got to say he's one of the top players in the country. Uh, Shilo Shuma, uh, a, a, a dangerous attacker who who should be really high on the radars of MLS teams. You got those two guys. They are going to be. They're going to be right there. So I think those two teams for right now uh, are my favorites. But obviously, that, that once I start digging into things, that could change. But I think for right now, off the top of my head, I got to go Indiana slash Maryland. My favorites will be Louisville and Virginia going forward. I'll also brush up my college as the season goes on. Those are terrible, terrible picks. I am very satisfied with my <laughs> picks. 
Ivis, that uh, that wraps up the show, man. And uh, you know, it's uh, we made it. We, especially adding the international uh, talk on the show. We'll be doing that every single show now going forward, having a little bit more international flavor. Yes, we will have. Uh, we will do a segment on international soccer, and then we'll have a segment with all the uh, blooper sound bites of Garrett trying to pronounce the, the names of teams and of uh, players. That that's not true. I had one mess up today, and it wasn't even that bad. <laughs> it wasn't even that bad calling me out you say things all the time i gotta people listen i gotta clean up stuff ivis says all the time he says things all the time he'll go on rants it'll be like delete that don't get rid of that one no i don't want that in there you wish my man oh yeah one right. take one take ivis oh oh all right all right i'll remember that i will remember that <laughs> there you go i'll remember that ivis the one thing we didn't do on the show i need a prediction for sunday oh oh you gotta go u.s i'm gonna i'm gonna well, say obviously I'm gonna say three nil US. Oh, I'll say three to one. That's a good one. That's a good one. El Salvador could definitely get a goal. Yeah, I, I you know, just with the way the US, I mean, the US is playing well, but you know, in every single game, they've had their hiccups. You know, yeah, but they have Eastlands there now. It's a whole different story. That you know what? That is, yeah, oh, that is true. That is true. I'll say Alan Gordon gets a goal. Watch, he'll come in the 85th what? minute and score. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my! Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Uh, oh, you know what? We're gonna go three 0 I'll say three 0 I'll go Landon Donovan, um, Stuart Holden, and uh, Wondolowski again. I say uh, Kyle Beckerman hat trick, Ben. I miss. Ah, ah, <laughs> wow. yeah, First, you go with uh, UVA slash Louisville to win College Cup, and now you go Kyle Beckerman hat trick. That's what <laughs> What's going on? I, it's it's late, man. It's late. It's two o'clock for me. What time is it for you? It's three. Yeah, you're only an hour ahead of me. I know. I know. It's late, man. I'm I'm exhausted. I had a late night tonight. Late night tonight. Yeah, not no, it's been, it, it was it was definitely a long day. Yes. Got to see two movies today. The, the the two when you talk about two different movies, I took the kids to go see Turbo, great movie, and then I took later on in the evening, I took the wife and we saw World War Z. Oh, that movie is sick. That movie, amazing movie, oh, yeah. intense, intense movie. But you could not have two more different movies than Turbo and World War Z. You know, I will say World War Z, like, they didn't, you know, going into it, I was a little afraid they were going to kill the whole zombie thing. Because, you know, it's kind of, it hasn't run its course yet. But, but they did a really good job with it, though. You know, because, like, did. I watched The Walking Dead every Sunday, and it was totally different than The Walking Dead. It was awesome. Right. No, it was a great, great job. Brad Pitt was great in it. And, uh, yes, we are doing movie reviews now. You've I'm okay. Warned. We can do movie reviews. That's fine. I mean, when the Oscars happen in February, we'll have to break down the Oscars. Oh boy, I can I do know. that. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hey, listen, when, we, when we go to when we get our show sponsored and we go to five days a week, uh, we'll definitely find time for that pop culture stuff. Right. That's when we have a studio in uh, downtown Manhattan. Right. One day, my man. One day. <laughs> Ivis, uh, you have a good weekend, man, and uh, everyone else, you have a good weekend as well too. I'll talk to you uh, on Sunday night. You and I will have a show up on Monday. We'll be uh, recapping the. Uh, the um, the U.S. men's national team game. We'll have a show up as a, I'm taking a train back to Phoenix, Arizona, Monday morning, <laughs> man. You have a good weekend, buddy. You too, man. And everyone, as always, thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the question. And thank you for the support. This is the SBI Show.